along with the water that's going to come and the, the dam that's going to break is going to come some new believers and some baby believers. And the Lord's going to bring the increase. And when that happens, um, we must be ready for it. And that's what's on my heart tonight. And I want to take just the last little bit of time we have here to teach you out of the word uh, about discipleship, spiritual disciples being made. You remember Jesus never told us to go make converts and he never told us to go lock away and have a good life and then die. He said, go make disciples, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. And I wanted to unpack what I believe is maybe a helpful tool for us in your thinking about that. You don't have to raise your hands, but I wonder if you've ever made a reproducing disciple before. Have you made a disciple who has made a disciple? Uh, That's like saying, have you ever had a biological child that's had a biological child? You know that it's a child of yours because you had that child. And that child is made in your image because they're reproducing according to your image. Oh, the grandbaby looks like me. It's so cute. If they do what's good, it's like me. And so we make disciples based on our love, right? Adults, we understand how that happens. It's not difficult, uh, but it does require effort. And there is a love connection there. And so we bear fruit because we love. And so like with Jesus, with intimacy with Jesus, we make disciples. When I love Jesus, I tend to give that love to others and others catch fire when I'm on fire. And so we make disciples spiritually. 1 Corinthians 15 says that the natural speaks to the spiritual. And you'll remember it says there that a seed in the natural is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. Talking about our natural bodies that are sown in the ground and were raised in heaven in glory. The first Adam came as a living being, but the second Adam came as a life-giving spirit, it says. And it says that it's always the natural first, and then it's the spiritual second. And that's a law in the kingdom. And so if you'll think with me for a moment in families, you have a 75-year-old man who has a son that's 50 who has a son that's 25, who has a son that's a baby. And those are the generations. Great-grandpa, grandpa, grandpa, father, and son. Grandpa, son, grandson, great-grandson, however you want to say it. There's four generations there. And the Lord, typically, that's about the amount of time. And then one generation passes on, another one comes along. There's obviously variations to that, but most of the time, that's how it works. So the Lord says to us in this that there's a principle here. And the principle is that when you make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, you've got four generations. You've got you, you've got your disciple, your disciple's disciple, and your disciple's disciple's disciple. And that's normal in the body of Christ. And that's something that we've not seen a lot of, but I believe the Lord is resurrecting that in the last 10 or 15 years. So much focus the Spirit's been putting on discipleship. So I want to help you with that a little bit tonight. 
Here's a basic principle for you to think about out of Genesis chapter 18. You remember God comes in the form of three travelers to Abraham and he says, should I withhold from Abraham everything I'm about to do? Obviously, no, he's going to reveal it to him. And he says, I have chosen Abraham. Listen to this. This is why God chose the father of our faith, Abraham, the father of faith. I've chosen Abraham so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. So what he's saying there at the very outset of relationship, the father of our Christian faith, Abraham, is a disciple maker. This is why I chose him, because I knew he would teach his children, Isaac, and he would teach his children, Jacob, and it would be passed down to the sons of Israel. This is the normal Christian life. So here's a few biblical examples I'll go through real quick of multi-generational ministry that I see in the scriptures. The fourth generation, Deuteronomy chapter six says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and judgments with the Lord your God has commanded me, Moses says, to teach you that you might do them so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God. So you have Moses is first, children of Israel second, their sons third, their grandsons fourth. Another one, Psalm 78. I was reading this this morning. It says, Our ancestors' fathers teach their children, and they teach the children yet unborn, and that they would teach their children, it says. There's four there. Fathers pass to their children, and the ones who are yet unborn, it gets passed to them, and then they teach their children. The big one in the New Testament that multiple people talk about is 2 Timothy 2.2. And Paul tells Timothy, the things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will then be able to teach others also. Paul as the papa, Timothy as the son, faithful men as the third generation who then turn around and teach others. And there's more. There's lots more examples of this. These are just a few. You remember in Acts chapter 1, he says, go and preach in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There's four levels of discipleship. In Jesus' ministry, Jesus was the first generation. The 12 apostles were the second. The 120 in the upper room were the third. And the 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost were the fourth generation. Over and over and over, the scripture is replete with this. But just trust me when I tell you that the natural is speaking to the spiritual that we might learn a lesson about healthy church life. And when we make a disciple, and it's a genuine disciple, they will make another disciple. Genuine disciples reproduce. And when we see that, this is when Christianity gets really, really fun. So how do we make disciples? Number one, this is a family model, not a business model. This is why I'm so excited about the deconstruction that's happening in the American church right now. It never was about a business model with a CEO and a vice president and a marketing director and then all the flock that comes in to watch the show. That's not how I run my family. There's order in my family, yeah, sure, but my family is a very organic model. There's very, very close relationships here. It has nothing to do with the man in the pulpit that's preaching. No, we're, we're sharing in life together. So, So Paul says, as a father to a son, I urge you to imitate me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 16. He says later on in chapter 11, imitate me as I imitate Christ. What's important about this is he does not say mimic me, 
Don't follow every single step that I follow and try to do it just like I do it. Find your own flavor. But this is what I want you to do. Imitate my way of life. Adopt my way of life. And I'll get to that more here in just a minute. Adopt. He says, this is the verse really that kicked this off for me this week and why I wanted to preach this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, he's talking about his son in the faith, Titus. And then he says, Titus and I, did we not walk in the same footsteps by the same spirit? And I just love that, that a son in the faith or a daughter in the faith walks in the same footsteps by the same spirit. They follow the spirit step by step. This is really what it means to make a disciple, someone who is led by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so how do we make disciples? Number one, we're making sons and daughters in the faith. It's nothing more than that. This is an organic family relationship. Number two, what's the way that we do it? How do we teach them? Well, we have to go to the central verse on making disciples, the Great Commission. You can probably quote it with me. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. He says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They do have to come to Christ and be saved. They've got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, identified with their death, in His death, super important. Disciples have to identify with the cross first to really be disciples. And the big one for us today is teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So, Last week, we talked about obedience out of 1 Peter chapter 1. I said that you having purified your souls out of obedience to the truth can now sincerely love one another. So this is a little bit of a piggyback off of what I said last week. What are we obeying exactly? Well, there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. I don't know all of them. And there's a whole lot of good stuff in the New Testament that Paul and Jesus and John and Peter, all the disciples teach us, and I don't know all of them. What do I do? Well, I get around somebody who's super smart and they know the Bible a lot. And I say, what do I do in this situation? But what happens when their phone doesn't ring and they don't pick up or they die and now I'm left alone? Well, the answer here is I'm taught to obey by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And that's a good thing for us. That's a really good thing for us with small minds that can't remember a lot of information at once. Jonathan, shut the light off when you leave. Okay. Like literally 10 seconds later, I forgot what I went in there for. I haven't shut off the light. I'm not even old yet, Dick, and it's happening already. I have a small mind. I can't remember. I read the Bible. I can't remember sometimes what I read that morning. Praise the Lord, I have the Holy Spirit who does remember. He wrote the Bible, and he can bring it to mind. He can prompt me. He can move me. This is good news for us, church. Teaching them about everything I've commanded you. Teaching them to obey everything. So what I'm doing is I'm teaching a disciple to walk in obedience to the constant leading and teaching of the Holy Spirit. How? How do I obey? I'm not an always obedient person. I have a small mind and I have a will that doesn't always want to obey. Anybody ever face this problem? Just me? How do I obey? John 14 tells us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 14. If you, if you, John 14, 15, 
If you love me, you keep my commandments. If you love me, you keep, how do I obey the Lord? Well, I love him more. That's what I do, right? I don't obey him because I don't really love him that much. That's just the truth. I don't have a self-discipline problem. I got the Holy Spirit, perfectly self-disciplined. I don't obey him because I really just don't love him that much. But man, when I, my heart grows in affection for Jesus, oh, I want to obey Jesus. I'll lay my life down for Jesus, whatever it takes. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. By loving him is how I keep his commands. Well, how, how is that though? I'm just human. Well, the next verse tells us, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Think back with me to Matthew chapter 28. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. How? We love Jesus and we abide in the Holy Spirit. And he teaches us to walk in his footsteps, in his path, and we walk as sons then. So we obey by the help of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? I keep asking questions. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? This might be a review for some of you, some not. The Holy Spirit is, the Greek word is parakletos, parakletos. The Holy Spirit is, that word unpacked is the advocate. He's the helper. He's the counselor. He is the comforter. He is the one called to take care of someone's cause or affairs. It's beautiful. He is a great definition. Who's, the Holy Spirit is one who's called alongside to give us aid or to give us help. Another definition is, is one who pleads someone's cause before a judge. He's a pleader. He's a counsel for defense. He's a legal assistant. We've got two now. You got two, Parakletos, Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to send another comforter. I'm going to send another counselor to you. That means we got two. Jesus, who's before the throne of God, pleading for us every day as our advocate. And I've got the Holy Spirit as my advocate, living everyday life out with me. Man, we got it made in the shade, guys. This is so good. The Lord has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Don't you think less of yourself than you ought to. Don't think of yourself higher than you ought to. Please don't. Think of yourself with sober judgment. But you got everything you need, all the firepower to live the Christian life. Don't tell me about your self-discipline problem. You've got a comforter. You've got an advocate for you who's prompting you. You don't have an anger problem. That's in your flesh. You've got the Holy Spirit with no anger problem. He can overarch that. He can overshadow you in a moment. Key is, how do we walk this out? What does it look like for us to walk in the Holy Spirit? Well, my second question is, I ask who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Well, John 14 unpacks four things that the Holy Spirit does. Number one, in verse 16, he helps us. Number two, he is with us forever. And then you go to verse 26, but the advocate, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, number three, he'll teach you all things. And number four, he'll remind you of everything that I've said to you beautiful Holy Spirit. We've got a Holy Spirit that helps us. He's with us forever. Just like Matthew 28 said, behold, I'll be with you forever. Number three, he's teaching us all things that he wrote in this book. And number four, he's reminding us of everything Jesus said. 
That's quite the job description. And he does it flawlessly, perfectly in our lives. Every, every time. <clears throat> Jesus says in John 16, 7, it is better. It's for your good. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. How in the world? Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying that this Holy Spirit that I'm about to pour out is going to be way better than me right here, right now. Well, why is that? Well, the scriptures tell us, number one, in verse eight of chapter 16, he convicts the whole world concerning sin and righteousness and coming judgment. Jesus didn't convict the whole world. He convicted those who were in front of him, who heard his teaching and his preaching. The Holy Spirit comes in and floods the whole world with conviction. Jesus is coming back soon. You know there's a God. You know you're a sinner. He's doing that on a regular basis, number one. But look what he's doing for children, for God's children after that. Number, the four things that the life of the Lordship of the Holy Spirit looks like with us. The advocate, helper, counselor. Number one in verse 12, in verse 13, the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. Or all reality is what that says there. The spirit will speak to us now. It says there at the end of verse 13, he will speak what he hears. And, and then thirdly, he'll tell you what is to come. It says then, he'll glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he is and give it to you. And then lastly, he will make known to us the heart of the Father, a revelation. So the Holy Spirit, sum up here. Who is he? What does he do? Well, the Holy Spirit helps us. He's with us forever. He teaches us all things and he reminds us of everything that Jesus said. And then what does the nitty gritty look like in a believer's life? He guides us into all truth and reality. He speaks now and for future events. He glorifies Jesus in us and through us. And he makes known or he reveals or he discloses all that we've been given from God. God's heart for us. Those are eight things right there the Holy Spirit does. It's super important to know the Holy Spirit. The number one neglected part of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit in the American church at least. Super important that we know how to be moved by the Holy Spirit, that we know how to hear the Lord's voice via the Holy Spirit, that we're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in a room. Super important because without life in the Spirit, we really don't have much of a Christian life at all. The Holy Spirit is working overtime for us. Are we availing ourselves of what we have from the teacher? The Holy Spirit guides us into all reality. Here's an example for you. What is your reality today? The Holy Spirit is making real Jesus in my life today. When the Holy Spirit's speaking to me and through me, I've got the presence of Jesus being made real in my life. Jesus guide, the Holy Spirit guides us into reality. Jesus says, I am the reality the life of Jesus is all that matters for the Christian, and the Holy Spirit is unpacking for us what that means. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says it really, really well for us. It says a little bit of a different way, but it says that we have the Holy Spirit, 
It says, these things God has revealed to us by his spirit. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the capital S spirit who is from God, so that we may understand all the wonderful, exceedingly great things that God has freely given us. So, we have the capital T teacher inside of us, teaching us all things. So when we're making disciples, we're not teaching them to obey what we tell them to do or teaching them to obey all the good principles that are in there that they need to memorize. We are not teaching them WWJD. We are teaching them to obey the right now teaching of the Holy Spirit. The lordship of a Holy Spirit over a life is a mark of a disciple. Someone that's saying yes to whatever you have for me today to stop this. I love Tim McVeigh. I mentioned him last week. If you haven't listened to it yet, listen to his example that I put out in the midweek email of his evangelism story. I love what he said. The Holy Spirit prompted him and said, slow down. You've got a really busy day today. Just slow down. And so he slowed down. And he was able to help lead a man to Christ because he slowed down. Holy Spirit is doing so much. Are we willing to listen just to hear? So finish with me here in 1 John chapter 2. One of my favorite passages, the anointing that we have. 1 John chapter 2, 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. Verse 27, as for you, John says, the anointing you received from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, it's reality, it's true, it's not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. That's so good. I'm gonna say it one more time. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. We are teaching disciples to obey the teacher. We are modeling, like Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. How did Christ model life for us? I only do what he's doing. I only say what he's saying. I withdraw to lonely places so I can discern his voice. He's praying on a regular basis. He's just abiding, 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 bearing tons of fruit, changing the course of human history for eternity. And Paul says, that's who I'm imitating. Now you all imitate me. You don't have to talk like I do or, or teach like I do. or You do your own flavor of life. But man, make sure you're on bubble with Jesus. Make sure you stay there and abide with him. Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. When you have a check, stop. When you feel the prompting, go. And when you mess up, you just come back and say, I messed up, I repent, I want to learn. I want to go deeper. So Paul says that we learn Christ in Ephesians chapter four, listen to me, I'm about to wrap up here. Paul did not say we're learning a method called Christianity. Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, we learn Christ. So we learn a man. We don't learn a method. 
We're called Christians because we're little Christs on this earth. We're his brothers and sisters. He's the firstborn. He's the big brother. But we live as Christ on the earth. We learn Christ. That means we have to have a personal, intimate relationship with a man who we can't see. How do you do that? I don't know. I need someone to disciple me and teach me how to do that. Great. Now we're on the right track. I can teach you how to hear Jesus' voice. We're just going to pause and wait. My son of the faith, uh, Brad, in Colorado, is making a son of the faith <clears throat> called Josh in Colorado. And, uh, and I was talking to Josh because, you know, as a grandson, just I love my grandsons. And so love this guy. And I asked him this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying about you today, Josh? And he answered me with a great, it was a super great answer, 100% wrong. Super great. I love Josh. If he's watching this, I love you, buddy. And he said, the Holy Spirit's talking to me that I'm going to lead men someday. And he says that I'm going to be a, a leader in, in the first responders community. I'm like, that is so awesome. That's, that's so cool. That's your mission. What's he saying about you? What is the Lord who has more thoughts about you than the grains of sand on the seashore saying about you today, Josh? He's like, oh, I don't know. Do you listen for that? He's like, I really don't. I'm like, well, let's practice. Let's just listen together. So I said, Holy Spirit, come. Would you just speak into my brother Josh's heart? What do you think about him today? What are you thinking about him today? Speak to me, Lord. So I just paused. First word that came into my mind in big, bold letters was beloved. Super simple, right? I just saw the word beloved. I didn't say anything. I was quiet. 30 seconds or a minute goes by, we're quiet on the phone. I said, Josh, what'd you hear? He's like, oh, I don't know if this is me or the Lord, but I just kept on hearing one word, beloved. I said, dude, that's what I heard. He said, no way. And I said, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Samuel saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And he goes, no way. I just read that yesterday. I read that verse yesterday. And I said, well, there you go. Four times spoken. The Lord is living. He's speaking today. Well, that did something for Josh. I believe that did something for me too. We are not serving a God that is all about us doing the right things for him now that he saved us and got us out of hell. We're serving a God that's like, I want a relationship with you. I want your heart. I want you to open your ears. Can you hear me? Is anything impeding our relationship? Let's just get rid of that. Let's just have an open heart dialogue. That's who we're serving. And when we get off of that, we can have huge, monumental ministries like RZIM, and we can reach millions of people around the world, and it adds up to nothing because we've gotten off bubble with Jesus Christ the man. We've gotten on a method, and it really, really, really adds up to nothing in the end, guys. The most important thing that you can do is make disciples. It's the most important thing. God is after fruit. He's after fruit. This is what you're called to do. And I don't think we know how to do it. I certainly didn't for years and years and years. And I screwed up every time I tried over and over again. Tried to make disciples do what I did. I tried to make them fit into the box. I was like, no, this doesn't work. I, I want self-feeders who learn Christ. I want people that I don't have to be in their life every day, every moment, every minute. They need to be under the government and the lordship of the Holy Spirit, and they're going to bear a ton of fruit. One puts a thousand to flight. 
two disciples in one location. You better watch out, city. Two genuine, on fire, under the lordship of the Holy Spirit disciples mess everything up for the king of the darkness. So, we are not interested in making crowds. We are not interested in passing along methods or good principles. There's tons of good methods, tons of good principles. We are interested in profligating a love for a man. And we want people to be obsessed with Jesus. Heath Green. Best description of a disciple. I think he said Christian. The best description is someone who's bananas for Jesus. That's what a disciple is. Just crazy about him. So, we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ today. Romans 8, 29. What is the Holy Spirit doing in you today? If you want to make a disciple, my question is, are you a disciple? That's my question. And disciples just simply respond to what the Spirit's doing. What's he doing in you today, brothers and sisters? What is the Spirit of God revealing in you that God has given you in Christ Jesus today? These things we've received from the Spirit who shows us the wonderful things we've received from God. What's he revealing to you? What's he prompting you to do? Would you step out in faith and trust the results will, will, will come? I don't know how to make disciples. All I feel led to do is to go give some food to my neighbor. Lord, that's all I know how to do. I don't, great, go give food to your neighbor and start a conversation. And she comes to faith and she says, will you teach me to read the Bible? And you say, yeah, and this is how we hear the voice of the Lord. And you're making a disciple. You just step out in faith and obedience, whatever he's telling you to do. I go there, I stop, I pause, I wait, I pray. I'm just under the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. What's he doing in you today? So Lord Jesus, I pray that you would teach me and teach us to obey your promptings. Lead us into all reality and all truth, Holy Spirit. As the increase comes, I pray that we would steward it well. I pray for fourth soil babies that would grow their roots down deep, Lord. And they would grow tall and strong, Lord. I just pray everyone in here right now, Lord, I pray for sensitive hearing for them. I pray no condemnation, Lord, but just a simple yes and amen. I pray everyone in this room would get their hopes up for what you're about to do. I pray for everyone in here and everyone who hears this later. I pray for a release, just a touch from heaven on them right now, Lord, and that they would be marked to be disciple makers, Lord. Pray for disciples who make disciples, Lord, here. So just one moment, if you would, just with me. We're just gonna pause just one moment longer here. Pray, Holy Spirit, you'd bring into every mind what does the next step of obedience look like for each person in here? You said go. What does that mean for us to go? 
Even if I live here in Eldorado, Kansas, what does it mean for me to go? If I'm called away, Lord, what does it mean? What does the next step of obedience look like for each person in here? And I pray just in the quiet of your heart, you would hear guys know there's not much time left. There's really not. I promise, I promise, I promise. It's coming back so soon, guys. How would you act if you knew you were called to make disciples and you were going to get ridiculously rewarded in heaven? He who saves souls is wise. If you're going to get ridiculously rewarded in heaven for making disciples and you knew Jesus was coming back in 2030, what do you do with nine years? I'm telling you guys, he's coming so soon. The end is drawing near. The gospel's going out. More believers coming in the Middle East than they can keep track of right now. Saudi Arabia getting transformed by the gospel just so quickly. Underground church exploding in China, North Korea. The end is drawing near. Don't waste this time that we have here. The disciple's life is the exciting life, man. It's so exciting. Don't have to be safe. Don't have to hedge your bets. Just, just let it rip, man. Just let it rip. Sell all you have and give to the poor if that's what he's telling you to do. Quit your job if that's what he's telling you to do. Just step out in faith. Invite them over. Make that call. Walk across, whatever it is. He's t- just do it. Step out. So much fun. Come on, Chris, come up here, buddy. Chris McGathy. I know I'm late, guys. But man, I, I keep on thinking about this. Chris McGathy shows up at Venora back in the day. He's sitting there. He's a fireman, firefighter, sorry, fire dude. And I think uh, Sam throws a Frisbee to you. Is that right? Something happens. Yeah. He calls you out. He, he calls Chris out. Chris is like barely a, a baby believer. He doesn't know which way is up in the kingdom. And he's like, you know, I'm kind of broken and I just kind of got, got some messed up stuff going on in my life, but I want to follow Jesus. What does that look like? And he starts getting transformed. Just, just baby steps, right? That's how, that's how, just started baby steps and kind of reading and trying to follow the scriptures and making mistakes. I remember for the first time we were sitting at Susie's. I love this. We were sitting at Susie's Chili Parlor. Ryan really discipled Chris for years, but I got a chance to sit with him. And I said, we can hear the Holy Spirit, Chris. You know, we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I said, we're going to practice. And I did just what I did with that Josh guy. I said, we're just going to practice. And Chris goes, I'm sorry. Do we have to speak in tongues now? Because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, it's all right, buddy. Sorry, right. we're not going to speak in tongues. But yes, do it right now. No. And Chris was just like, he was just all in and Chris just hung out with Julia and like before our eyes, Chris and Julia just started getting transformed from glory to glory 
to glory. They started going deeper and deeper and deeper. And they were trying to like bear a bunch of fruit and do ministry. And the Lord just kept on saying, no, just, just come away with me. Just be quiet. Let your roots go deep. And so they just worked it out imperfectly like we all do. And now they're like fruit machines, man. Like they're crazy. They're making disciples all over the place. And that's been five or 10 years. Is that right? When did you show up at Venora? 11. It's been 10 years. Happy 10 years. I just want you to say something about that. I've given you no heads up notice about being a disciple. And what do you say to people who don't know how to make a disciple or not sure what discipleship is? I'm not accusing you guys of not knowing that. I just, yeah. For the people who are watching online, maybe. I don't know. So it took a long time. I know Ryan walking with me and then uh, when we lived at the building with Jonathan, so many times walking out with people, witnessing, preaching the gospel to them, watching them uh, come to Christ, you know, that true conversion. Some people hiding true conversion. They're not really converted. And then, yeah, preaching the gospel, going out, that's the easy part. Discipleship's the hard part. It's the nitty-gritty, getting into their lives. And then so many times I've asked Jonathan, because I've seen things happen in guys' lives, and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And so being able to hear Jonathan come up here and explain these things is saying that I'm not trying to conform anybody into any standard or any, any method like he was saying. I want them to conform to Christ. Right. And I want the work of the Holy Spirit in them. And I want them to read their words so they can be conformed to the image. Yeah. And how I walk that out is going to be different than how everybody walks it out. But we're all going to follow the leading of the Spirit in the Word of God. There, yeah. So those things will always be the same for us. But how we walk out each individual or individuals in their lives is going to be dependent upon each one of us. Yeah. And, and so I'm not going to do the same thing Dick is going to do with an individual. Same thing with Jonathan. Yeah. But we all, have a way, we all have the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. And it's going to work. And it's going to happen right in front of you. So you don't have to be afraid to go out and preach the gospel and watch somebody convert and be like, oh, no, what do I do now? No, you just live a life with them. Yeah. You meet with them. You love them. You teach them the Word. And you, and you walk life with them and watch God do His thing. Chris and I have different methods of parenting but we've got some real core principles that we're both in agreement on, 100%. You know, Tanner talks back again, bam. You know, he's not going to talk me now. That didn't happen. But, you know, my kid, we don't allow talking back in our house. But, man, they've got different rules than Lizzie and I, and that's perfectly okay. But our kids are going to be raised up in the discipline and admonition yes. of the Lord, Amen. right? Yep. So there's different methods of making disciples, but core values for yep. each one. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, I just wanted to say, here's a fruity guy for you here. I love Chris. Let's stand up if you would, guys. Let's stand up. Lord, I pray a blessing over all of these disciple makers. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for this night, all the good things that you did. Open our eyes, open our ears, Lord, to hear what you're doing in this season. I pray for multiple fourth-generation families, disciples in here, Lord. I pray that we would see fruit like we've never imagined in Eldorado, Kansas, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.